All right, welcome to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We are back. It's June 18th. You know, last week I said it would be our final meaningful podcast until September. Uh, and I stand by that. It's all going to be crap. No, 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 no. Lots to discuss today. Uh, NBA 2020 odds are out. Lots of movement around the league. Best bets with the fellas. We're going to talk annoying dads on Captain Morgan's Riverboat Casino and NBA draft props. There are hundreds now. There are so many of them. I can't believe how this has grown. Legally, you could bet these props on. We have our COO of the podcast, Master Tate Frazier, working the board. What's happening, Tate? Not too much. Good to be here. Happy it's draft week. Something to talk about. Yes, Tate, and uh, what big week for you, right? One Shining Podcast. You want to tell people about what you have going on? Yeah, we got had a little draft special today. We talked to BJ Armstrong, a guy that was drafted, a guy that was drafted in the expansion draft as the number one pick in 95, a guy that's been a front office guy and now an agent, so he has guys that are getting drafted. So full spectrum, talked about a lot of stuff there. And then, uh, yeah, Friday morning we're going to do Hair of the Draft, Hungover Edition, myself, Mark Titus, <laughs> and uh, talk about all things draft the next day after. Oh, good. All right. Well, that'll be fun the next day after. Now, listen, all this draft talk is nice, but it's only it only works if you can make money off of it. So we're, we're going to discuss it. We're going to talk props and I'll give you a little sample. Like, for instance, this is how it works. I would say Kobe White, a uh, guy near and dear to your heart, right, Tate? Yes. Over on their seven and a half. Where is he drafted? Is he seventh or lower or eighth or higher? What would you say? Minus would, 180. Is I would under. say seventh or lower because I believe at worst he goes to the Bulls there. And uh, I think there's a chance he may go fourth overall. Someone I'm going to have to trade up to get him. So Kobe White. There you go. Take the under. Unbelievable. Just like that. Tate made you uh, upwards of $10,000. Um, beautiful. And there's how many ACC players in the top 10 over under four and a half? I don't know if you've have you figured that out, Tate. There's so many to go by here. I mean, the ACC, we got Zion who's going to go, RJ who's going to go, uh, DeAndre Hunter who's going to go, Kobe White who's going to go, Cam mm-hmm. Reddish who's going to go. So, all right. There you go. So, right there's there. five. Yeah. There you go. I can't believe Tate. I mean, we're, we're what are we? We're two and a half minutes into the podcast. Tate has made you $35,000. Incredible. Please share. Uh, to make you more money on the line right now, my gurus of gambling, my barons of betting, my wizards of wagering, my overlords of the odds, the degenerate trifecta, brother Bri, Harry, and Darren the parlay kid. What's going on, fellas? What's going on, Sal? Hey, Sal, what's up? What's going on, buddy? Uh, there's so much to review. Uh, the weekend that was, you know, the, the NBA, NHL didn't even make it to the weekend. I thought we'd get a game. Well, we, we had a game seven with the NHL. I think, believe that was Thursday night. Couldn't get the game seven in the NBA. But, Brother Brian, let's talk U.S. Open. We had House on. No one mentioned Gary Woodland's name, but you did have him. You didn't have the 70 to 80 to 1 odds. Gary Woodland, but you took him at plus 240 going into Sunday. Everyone was terrified of that bet except for you. Everyone loved Kepka. Pretty good job by him, though, huh? Oh, he was awesome. I mean, talk about showing some balls there. Um, yeah, I got him at plus 240 uh, Sunday morning. Uh, I will say, though, I was following the live odds pretty much the whole day. At some point, I was like, oh, my God, Kepka's plus 325. I should really hedge here. But I honestly thought, like, what would Harry do in this situation? Harry would have hedged, and I was like, I'm not going to hedge. So that's, that's really why I just stayed with Woodland the whole way. I mean, it was amazing. You thought he had like three terrible tee shots in a row, but he really scrambled really well. I would have said like once he had that really first bad tee shot and then he made that really great second shot off of that, I felt like that right after that I had confidence, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm definitely not hedging here. Um, but uh, way to go by him. It was, he was a great story. Yeah. I mean, it seems like everybody likes that guy. But I will say, the best thing about the U.S. Open this year, I will say West Coast was fantastic. Being on the East Coast and getting to watch it on Father's Day at like yeah. 8, 9 o'clock at night, there was nothing better yeah. to, me, to, to me than that. Um, it was so great. I think all the majors from now on should just be on the West Coast. Even I agree. The Masters, I, just put that on the West Coast. I don't care, even if they can't see it at night. You know, I feel like uh, we, we have a Father's Day tradition. We play softball, all the fathers at uh, UCLA Field, Jackie Robinson Field. We get together. The kids play the first game, and then we play in the afternoon. And we used to play three or four games. This year, we only played one game because I think everyone's approaching 50, and they were going down like flies. I mean, this is softball, you guys. Like, it should be the easiest thing. But just running the first, everyone's pulling a hamstring and everything. And, like, and like even after the first game, I was like, ah, this is lame. Everyone's getting hurt. I just want to go home and watch golf. I'm really, I've become one of those fathers now. I want to watch golf on Father's Day. It's really crazy. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. 
came down the end. I had uh, that an American would win, so I just needed really Justin Rose to go away towards the end there. Speaking of Americans, Harry, earlier in that day, uh, earlier Sunday, I had the U.S. women to win by, no, not even to win by, to score more than three and a half goals. This is a pretty bad beat, right? They had three relatively easy goals in the first half. And then in the second half, uh, 16 saves by the goalpost. And uh, Chile ends up losing 3 nothing, and I lose that bet. And you urged us, you like second half. I like the second half under. And it, it didn't make any sense to us, but, yeah, it worked out. No, no, no goals at all in the second half. Well, look, that that uh that woman goalie for Chile, uh, Elder, she was amazing. Like I've, everyone talks about USA, Tim Howard, how great of a goalie he's been for the United States for years. He didn't make saves like she was making six saves, diving all over, flipping her body around to get a piece of it and and to keep the uh, the ball out of the net, and it kept happening. It was amazing. And then, but but my theory was good because you know with Sweden only winning what like five one uh, earlier. The USA just already up a three nothing lead. They don't have to go out and go crazy, especially after all the controversy of how them how they celebrated and this and that. They had the game won at three nothing. Just chill, relax, move on to the next game against Sweden, uh, and that's it. And uh, you know it's not. The, but you're right though. You guys also said they're not going to quit. They're not. Gonna, and they didn't quit. USA had tons of chances. They just couldn't put it in. Yeah, I mean, if I could a live bet hedge that when who was it? It was it. Uh, was it Morgan Bry who had the Boyd. penalty kick? So Carly Lloyd, yeah, penalty kick. Carly Lloyd, yeah, sorry. She had the penalty kick. Yeah, it wasn't Alex Moore. Uh, what, would I, what would I have been able to live bet that? Because I've gotten eight or nine to one that she missed, and that would have been it right there. Ah, so so many problems. Uh, Parley Kid, I mentioned you. We didn't get to the weekend. Mm. The Bruins dropped game yeah. seven. Uh, by the way, congratulations Woo-hoo! to Scott Berry, who came on this podcast. And, you know, he had the $100,000 ticket. He was holding it. He refused to hedge. I jokingly... Half jokingly offered him one hundred one thousand dollars. He wouldn't take it. Um, what a stud! He ends up uh, winning a hundred grand off of his favorite team. What a dream come true! Congrats to him. Congrats. We, we've made news all month. Congrats to Lamar Odom also for uh, proclaiming his love to Chloe Kardashian. Congrats to everybody, everybody on this podcast. But Parlay Kid, they dropped Game Seven. What a weird Game Seven it was. Everybody, I feel, had the Bruins minus one fifty, minus yeah. one sixty, thinking that was uh, they're going to walk away with it, but. Blue scored early and uh, got worse and worse for the Bruins. Yeah, that's been, uh, it seems like more than uh, less than a week ago. Feels like that, I guess, yeah. without hockey and basketball going on, it's getting pretty dry. So, uh, yeah, no, so you know what it was? I know, like, Brian and I were kind of laughing about Mike Francesa was talking uh, here on the radio about what a great coaching job uh, in that game seven that the Blues coach uh, Barube did. But really, didn't it come down to just the goaltender being standing on his head for that first period? And the Bruins yeah. could have easily been up like 3-1 after that first period uh, if Bennington hadn't just been uh, outstanding in that, uh, in that period one. So sometimes it just comes down to that. Uh, congratulations to the Blues. And um, uh, what, a, what a story. I mean, if this was in any one of the other majors, they'd be getting a lot more press. I mean, let's face it, the Raptors have gotten a lot more press than the Blues got, right? Um, right. And it's kind of the kind of a similar story, you know, uh, for both in terms of first championships or or whatever you want to say, whatever you want to call it. So and so, let's not forget too. It was a rough week for me last week too. I had Clay Thompson at fifty to one for MVP, and halfway through that game, game six, all of a sudden I'm texting Brian, could Clay be the favorite for MVP in the series right now? And then like a minute later, it was all over. Well, it was, it was your over. fault. You jinxed him, much like uh, the sports I guy. Bill like Simmons. I did feel like that. Absolutely. He jinxed Bennington, the goalie for St. Louis. He, that guy's not going to be in the league in two years. Like, all right. <laughs> he did. <Bill> did <laughs> He's going to be in the league for two more games, so you better be careful there. <laughs> he went crazy. And, yeah, we could talk NBA now because, uh, yeah, not Clay Thompson was 8-1 to one odds to be the high uh, scorer in game six. And he had 30, what was it, with two, three minutes left in the third quarter when he went out? He was still the high scorer, had a whole quarter that he didn't play and plus, and what a valiant effort. And I, you know, I've, I've had enough because I have Rachel Bonetta as a co-host on uh, locking in every day. Now, big Toronto uh, fan. I'm happy for her, but please, we need to stop talking about this, except we can't stop talking about it because they came out with NBA odds for 2020 and the Lakers. I was in Vegas this week. I made fun of Caesar's palace, having the Lakers at four to one odds. And then an hour later, not even an hour later, 
they make the trade for Anthony Davis. Unbelievable. Um, I mean, that's like the opposite of insider trading. I know there was a guy who bet $10,000 on the Lakers, and then 27 minutes later, they made the trade. So they're looking into that. I'm the opposite of that. I jinxed them the other way, and here they are. But now they're favored. It's still at 4-1. to one. Bucks at plus 650. Raptors 9-1. to one. Warriors 10-1. to one. Rockets 12-1. to one. Clippers 12-1. to one. Sixers 12 to 1, Celtics 18, Denver 20, and then it uh, gets a little sketchy after that. Now, you would be right to say, how could you bet any of these teams without knowing where the rosters are going to shake out? Well, we're going to tell you. We're going to give you reasons why you should or shouldn't bet a team. Let's start with you, Harry. Who do you like to win the 2020 title? You know what? I'm going to go with the uh, champions. I'm going to go with the Toronto Raptors at 9 to 1. I mean, uh, the four teams in the top of the East, uh, Toronto, Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston, all are going to have issues to deal with when it comes to free agency, obviously, this summer. And I know, like, three weeks ago, like, Toronto was as high as, like, 30-1. to 1. Well, Like I said, they're now 9-1. to 1. They were 12-1 to 1 yesterday, then it came down to 10. Now it's 9-1. to 1. But no one, I, besides me, I guess, uh, thought they would be world champs. So how can Kawhi leave Canada now? I can't see a scenario where he leaves. I know it's po- the the Clippers are pushing and everything, so you might like that a little bit too. But he's he's got a uh, he's got the world in the palm of his hands right now in Toronto. Uh, they will still have a very formidable team that will challenge for the East. Leonard is a god there now, and he, if he stays, look for Toronto to spend some money and make this team more than a one hit wonder. Uh, Pascal Siakam has turned out to be a, some some kind of superstar as well. He was so clutch in the playoffs. As well as Fred Van Vliet, uh, as we all saw, the champs at nine to one will be there at the end of the season, contending for the East. No way, no way, Leonard can leave now. Nine to wow. one, Toronto to play. No way. How about I'm this? Saying, how about how gotta, can you uh, leave after winning like the? How could, you you have a whole country behind you? You can't leave. You can't do it. <laughs> it's kind of a country. Wow. It's not really. A, it's barely a country. I'll yeah. say that. Here's let me give you reasons why he could leave, and here's why I think. He's going to the Clippers, who are my choice, at 12 to 1. First of all, he bought a giant house, a gigantic house in San Diego, like a $13, $14 million house. It's not, that's not like just like where you send your relatives for like three, four hundred grand, whatever it would be. He's buying this house to live in this house, to live close to where, where he grew up. Uh, secondly, why not come to LA, go to the Clippers? What, what would be better than upstaging LeBron James? And by the way, I think the Clippers could do it. With Gallinari there, they have a uh, a fierce. They got they can get rid of him too, and then they would have two max contract spots open. They they wouldn't be done. Uh, I really like that. Lou Williams off the bench. That's gonna be a fun fun lineup if he comes to the Clippers. I do think it's a done deal. I'd say twelve to one. And by the way, both these teams, the Raptors and Clippers, to get Kawhi, you can get either of them at plus one ten. I do think it's probably better to take either of these teams to win the title if you like. The Raptors at nine to one. Or the Clippers at twelve to one. I don't see any other team getting Kawhi right now. Um, Brother Bry, you like uh, a team that's not the Clippers or the Raptors, right? Yeah. So uh, one thing I'll say too, again, is these odds seem to be all over the place and they're changing yeah. daily. So just like definitely shop around for the best ones you can get because every site uh, or every casino has something uh, could be drastically different depending where you go. Mm-hmm. But look, I'm looking for value, and I like Denver at twenty to one. Look, usually there's only three or four teams that have a realistic shot, maybe even mm-hmm. one or two, you know, like this past year, we just, I mean, you just assumed early on in the year, year it was either the Warriors, Houston, but you, you said, all right, maybe, maybe Toronto, maybe Philly uh, later on in the year, maybe Milwaukee. But I feel like next year, this is out the window. There are nine or 10 teams potentially, if things fall the right way that actually have a shot. And I don't remember the last time this has ever happened. Usually again, it's only a handful of teams. So Denver's odds seem too high to me at the moment. They won 54 games last year. They were awesome at home. They had two chances to go to the conference finals but couldn't get it done. I think that was more because they're just a very young team. Jokic was the top five player. Him and Jamal Murray forming one of the best young duos in the NBA. A lot of people weren't sure how good he was until the playoffs when you look at Murray because I, I even questioned him. I, I liked him at first, but I was like, ah, I don't know. He'll he'll be like a – he's a good player. But there were some games he was great in the playoffs, Murray. Um, now, just imagine next year you get Jokic is in even better shape. I mean, imagine that guy actually tries to get in shape. Plus, you add a healthy Michael Porter to this team, and they could potentially – they potentially could sign a couple of free agents, I guess, depending on what they do with guys like Millsap or if they could trade away a Barton or some other guy. So – 
Uh, I think just with all of that happening, and again, like I said, they won 54 games last year. So I think at 20 to one odds, I think that's probably the best value out there right now. Yeah, it's pretty good value. I'm still mad at them. Still upset with them. They they annoy me. They lost to Portland. They should have won <laughs> that game seven, especially how they came in that middle of the series. They were looking so good. They blew that game seven. Then Portland just lay down for Golden State. That was disgusting. But yeah, this is kind of the reason I don't think the Lakers are good value at four to one. I mean, if I'm right and the Clippers get Kawhi, you got the Clippers, you got Denver, you got uh, you got the Golden State could still make a run at it. You know, they're used to being there, depending on how much Clay Thompson plays. And then you have uh, the Parlay Kids team in the West. Who do you like? So I like the Rockets at 12 to one. Uh, kind of as we were going through that list there. Yeah, they're kind of be- being uh, forgotten about a little bit here. And kind of like the way in the NHL, the Capitals were a couple years ago. For years, people have talked about, you know, the Capitals, the Capitals. And the year people stopped talking about them is the year they won. I can kind of foresee this with the Rockets. I really do think they're going to go all in on this season to win it all at this point. Now, that remains what we see with Chris Paul. There's some rumors today floating around that him and Harden haven't talked for uh, for months, uh, basically since the season's been over, that these yeah. guys haven't communicated. I'm not really sure about this middle school drama stuff we hear. I don't know where this comes from. These guys made commercials together. Uh, they seem to like each other on the court. Uh, but I could see that happening. But look, Harry is uh, definitely not a big fan of Chris Paul anyway. That might be addition by subtraction if Paul were to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. If not, Paul's in Who's it for take, one last run. that contract, Darren? Who's taking that uh, contract? You know what? You might, you, might see somebody take, you might see somebody take it. I mean, you could even see maybe a, the Knicks that some, good. going that in good. on it at one point. Well, I know. I'm not saying he's great, Harry. That's, that's, yeah, I know. I, again, addition by subtraction if he's gone. But if I do think he's back... They're making one hard run at this. Jimmy Butler is rumored to maybe be going back to his hometown of Houston. Uh, Butler, I'm not in love with Butler. I wouldn't want Butler going to the Knicks, but I think on the Rockets, he might be a great fit, bringing a little tenacity to that team and what they need is what they need. Mike D'Antoni about to get a contract extension here, uh, or new contract, I should say. Does he deserve it? Probably. He's done a very nice job there. Some people don't think he can win the big one, which is why I really think you put it all together. Maybe this is the year for the Rockets at 12-1, to 1, making one last go at it. And if you don't like yeah. the Rockets, they're kind of a sleeper team at 40-1, to 1, the Utah Jazz, especially if they, if they can make this trade for Mike Conley from, uh, from Memphis. Might be a good yeah. time to jump on the Jazz at 40-1. to 1. Parlay Kid, I'll say they're this for at- you. Last three seasons, Houston wins 57.7, point differential point per game plus six points per game 114 three pointers per game 15 first 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 and first last three seasons five and eight against golden state in the playoffs 18 and eight versus other teams so yes in that regard you're right if you're not seeing a full golden state team now watch what happens here houston grabs the one seed golden state slides in with the eight and then there were (laughs) then they have the same problems all over again (laughs) rejuvenated Golden State team, but I'm I'm kind of agree with Harry. I don't. Chris Paul's numbers have declined year after year after year. I think uh, like 41 percent from the field, like 15 points a game or something um, this year. I don't know who to root for with that. Paul or Zara. I feel like we have we see the same thing over and over with these. They they get they dazzle you in the regular season. Harden puts up a dozen 50 point games, travels his way to uh, huge numbers, and then they just shit the bed in the playoffs. Um, it's interesting, though. Tate, who do you like? Does anyone jump out at you? Yeah, another team uh, that's at 41 is uh, the Portland Trailblazers, a team that, you know, they have the same kind of problem with the Warriors going up against them, not being able to match up with those guys. So maybe next year, if the Warriors aren't at hmm. peak powers, then maybe you take a, a chance on the Blazers, a team that has continuity, a team that has star power, and a team that has a guy in Dame Lillard who in the final four minutes can kind of make a big shot to get you to the next level. So maybe just bet on Dame at 40-1 to 1 and see if, uh, if, it, if it can hit for one year. Yeah, West is still tough. I'll tell you, I'll throw another one at you, Tate. Charlotte Hornets, two hundred and fifty <laughs> to one. Does that two hundred and fifty to one? Does that ring a bell? That number? Yeah, it feels pretty good. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. St. Louis Blues, right? We can. Uh, That's we can right. Scott that Perry at two hundred and fifty to one. Yeah. Throw something yeah. on there, Tate. Yeah, You'll have a hundred thousand dollars. Hey, nice. I'm, I'm all about Chris Paul. We'll take his salary on with the Hornets. We don't need to resign Kimbo. We'll just take on Chris Paul, bring him back home to North Carolina, make him try a little bit, you know, and get get things there going you go. again. Well, if Parley kids, right? If, if Butler goes to Houston, I'll, I'm all ears then. Then then it's a different story. But I don't know. I don't know about this team all right nba draft though thursday and you could hear more about this 
One Shining Podcast, Tate and Titus, they do a great job on this, and there's going to be a hangover show Friday. Uh, but let's go over some props, and there are a lot of them. Now, the first three I thought were decided. Now, Zion going number one is, is a lock of all locks. In fact, I bet on the lock it in, I bet $500 to win 10 that Zion would be uh, selected number one. So that's going, to be, that's going to bring back a pretty penny come uh, Thursday, unless I get screwed over. So it's going to go, it's going to go Zion's going to go Morant and then RJ Barrett to the Knicks. Now the parlay kid and brother Bry, they are Atlanta tried to swoop RJ Barrett out of there and, and uh, brother Bry just about had a heart attack. You, they can't give him up, right? This is not, not like the NFL where there are trades to be made all over the place. You got your guy, you stick with him, right? Bry. Uh, yeah. Well, the thing was this morning or as of yesterday, RJ Barrett to be the third pick was like minus 2000. And then today, all of a sudden uh, I checked the site and it's minus 560. So, I was immediately worried, immediately nervous that, yeah, something was happening. Maybe, you know, again, talks with the Hawks because they have all those picks or somebody else or, or the Knicks liking someone else. But this would be a total Knicks thing to do uh, to blow this. But you can at this point in time. RJ, he wants to be a Nick. Uh, we haven't had a guy. We haven't drafted a guy <laughs> like RJ in, in ever. A guy who can drive to the basket and kind of sport. Well, we, we've never had this guy in at least the last 20 years. So. Um, I hope we do not blow this. I'm going to be really pissed off if we trade down. I know people say, like, you know, if you have the fourth pick, it's fine to trade down. If you have a top three pick, there's no way you can trade down. Right. So I think those are yeah. the top three. I would say those are the top three. Then it gets a little dice. Who goes fourth? Who goes fifth? Is it Jared Culver fourth and DeAndre Hunter fifth or, or somewhere around there? Those guys have been mentioned. Um, Brother Bry, you have an opinion on this. Which way do you like? All right, so for my draft, I'm going to go over four and a half for Jared Culver. Look, he, he, at this point in time, he might be the fourth best player in the draft, but his upside is less than the others. And as you get closer to the draft, usually it always ends up being the upside rises to the top, right? So mm -hmm. you have guys like Colby White, you have Garland. Uh, from what it seems like, uh, I would think yeah. somebody probably might trade up for one of those two guys. I think uh, Tate was saying it earlier. Um, I could easily see one of those point guards being drafted earlier. And I'm just not sure like pairing Culver with Zion, how great that would be. Obviously they're both would be great defensively, but you already have a bad three point shooter in Zion. You have Lonzo is still right now. He's a bad three point shooter. Culver shot 30% from college threes last year. So I think they're going to either look to bring in somebody a little bit more athletic or another big, uh, somebody who shoots the three a little bit better. So like I said, I think, I, if you asked me this a week ago, I probably would have said he would, was going to go fourth. But now at this point in time, from what it seems, from what it, from what I'm hearing, well, what I'm seeing online, I should say, um, it, it seems like there might be some type of trade in the works. And like I said, it would, that would make sense for somebody to tr get a Garland or a White at four rather than a Culver. And I could see him going Culver probably going fifth or sixth after that. I liked him. We watched him with Texas Tech. They made a, they made obviously a, a they made a run at the title. Maybe should have won it. Um, we enjoyed watching him. Sophomore, I will say, if they don't trade the pick, it's Culver, it's Lonzo, and it's uh, Zion, right? That's a fun team to watch. And I think I made a poll. You guys actually inspired me to put a poll up. Yeah, sure. Uh, Lakers, everyone's talking about them winning the title. Which team's more exciting, Lakers or Pelicans? And Paulie Kidd, uh, people voted Pelicans, right? It was 53% or something? Yeah, and I think for us, uh, off the side, you put an over-under about 55 and a half or so, something like that. So yeah. your number almost hit with uh, what you thought. But, I, yeah, people thought the uh, majority said the Pelicans would be more exciting. Uh, and, yeah, I think you guys are right. I mean, they could be a, a fun team to jump on and root for and watch grow a little bit over the next few years. That's for sure. Now you have another player, top five player that we can make money off of. Who do you like? Well, Sal, um, just getting back to what Brian has said, Brian's always been an R.J. Barrett guy, by the way, too, Sal. Um, yeah. he, he actually, I think, months and months ago had said he thinks he could be the best player in the draft. So the Knicks, he definitely does not want to see the Knicks get rid of that pick. Uh, the guy wants to be here. And so as a Knicks fan, I will also say uh, I hope they don't trade the pick. I mean, there are rumors of teams looking to trade up for Garland, though. Uh, he's mm -hmm. kind of jumping up the board a little bit. And I know the Knicks had him in, I think, today for a workout, which is interesting that they would bring him in today unless they're trying to entice some teams to maybe trade 
uh, for that pick. So, but so you know what I'm going? I'm going to be taking Reddish over seven and a half on the draft props here um, at minus 103. So it's basically even odds for Reddish to go over. Uh, I, I follow somebody called uh, somebody named Jake Fisher from uh, Sports Illustrated. He's an NBA in, insider, and he's mm-hmm. I think he's uh, he's great. Uh, he says there's no way Reddish is going inside uh, the top uh, seven. So I like Reddish over seven and a half. So look, here's a guy that even from two point range shot less than 40% for Duke this year. I believe he's a bit overrated. He does fit into maybe the Hawks at eight, but boy, if he doesn't go with that eighth pick, he might slide out of the top 10, which at that point, then I think Duke uh, over uh, two and a half players in the top 10 or under two and a half in the top 10 is like plus 500. That could be a steal for somebody too, right there, because he might slide. If he doesn't go to the Hawks at eight, he might slide. He, you know, was not very impressive when Zion went out of the lineup. So let's roll the dice here. Basically, at even odds, taking Reddish over seven and a half. Tate, you're surprised that Reddish is even uh, considered in the top ten, or you think that's about right? Uh, I mean, I mean, he has the talent to be a top ten pick. I think a lot of people are worried more about his like work ethic and and whether he's content yeah. being a third option on a team and. What it would look like if he was the first option on a team? Is it worth taking a guy because you want him to be the first option? He does fit in with Atlanta. They could take him uh, at 10 as well if they want to wait uh, and take someone higher that they have on their board at 8. So, I mean, I could see him going to Atlanta either, you know, 8 or 10, depending on if they have, the, if they have those picks or not. All right, another ACC team, Harry, a player that uh, Tate hates. Well, <laughs> uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Virginia guys. Everyone's cool with the Virginia guys. You like DeAndre Hunter, right? Yeah, big fan. Yeah. yeah, I think he's got some uh, Kawhi sensibilities. That's what everyone you know seems to say about him. So uh, we saw him in the title game hit that big three. That was a great pass by Ty Jerome, but he made the big shot. So you see him do it in a big moment like that. I think that bodes well for him. I could see him. You know, I th- I've seen a lot of people have him five going to Cleveland. So that seems like a really uh, a sweet spot for him. Harry, you agree, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm taking my man. Like I said, DeAndre Hunter under five and a half picks at minus one hundred five. Uh, I've seen many mock drafts, scoped a lot of them out. I see him either going to four, uh, the Pelicans, or five, like Tate just said, to the Cavs. I think he'd be a great fit in Cleveland. Uh, the Cavs drafted their point guard of the future in the first round last year and Colin Sexton from Alabama. Now they can focus elsewhere, and Hunter makes a lot of sense here. He's an intelligent player and a nice fit for new head coach John Beeline. Uh, this would be a chance for him not to hold back anymore because the Cavs have been awful, so he can really do what he wants out there on the court. He's a great defender. Uh, can guard power forwards or guards. He's strong, extremely bright. And his two years at Virginia, he was ACC Sixth Man of the Year as a true <laughs> freshman, played big when they needed him the most as he had 27 points in that championship game versus Texas Tech and shot 51% from the field of Virginia in his two years and 44% from three-point range this past season. He can do it all. Uh, I was actually hoping my hometown Suns uh, wanted uh, to draft him, but they're looking mostly for a point guard at six. So it really makes a lot of sense, I think, here from a multi-talented player uh, to take to be taken under five and a half selections here. Like I said, I see Hunter going either to four to New Orleans, but mostly at number five to Beeline and the Cavs. I yeah, you know, I thought you said hometown son. Like uh, you have a little one running around that you, we didn't know about. You were breaking the news to us, but your hometown sons, you mean the team, right, Phoenix? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. What's going to be interesting, yeah. Harry, is Brother Bryce Culver over four and a half. You have Hunter under five and a half. Neither of them are going to be mentioned until the fifth pick. And, uh, although, actually, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Brian will have won by then. Well, somehow that'll be interesting. <laughs> is there a way you could both lose? No, I don't think so. Uh, uh no, no. The, the only, I will say, though, the only problem I, I do think, like, Hunter would be probably a good pick for the Pelicans. So I could see that at four. The only problem mm-hmm. is if he gets past four. Like, if, if you are Cleveland, I mean, again, Tate could answer this better than anyone, but if you are Cleveland, at that point in time, you don't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of talent on the team besides Sexton. So are you really then going to take somebody like Hunter, or are you going to really look for somebody with upside? Like, if I'm Cleveland, I wouldn't want to take a guy like Hunter, even though I think Hunter would be, like, a good third or fourth piece on a on a good team, but on a crappy team, I don't know. I, I'd rather reach for somebody with more upside. What do you think, Tate? Is it, is that a, a busted pick for Cleveland at five? I think it's one of those things where we don't know what Beeline wants to do, and we don't know how much power he's going to have on the pick. But I think if he were going to make that pick, he would pick a guy like DeAndre Hunter to kind of mold into a 
you know, he's trying to build like a college atmosphere, like a Spurs type situation in Cleveland. So if they were to bring Hunter hey, in, Hunter's it, such a smart player too. Exactly. You don't want a guy that's gun running and gunning all over the place for a team that's not that good. You need to have a continuity there, especially when you got an athlete last year in Sexton. So you kind of have that role filled. So if you were going to get a Garland or a Kobe White, that kind of sends a message to Sexton that you may not think he's your guy. So that could cause some problems too. All right, I can't believe no one's mentioned Sekou Dumboya from France <laughs> and an international player who will be drafted in the top 10. There's a, there's a prop out there. Will an international player be drafted top 10? Yes is minus 177. It was minus 177. Now minus 200, minus 210, I'm saying. If you look back, it was 2013, the last time an international player wasn't selected in the top 10. The first one to go was number 15, a guy by the name of Giannis Antetokounmpo, and everyone is killing themselves for passing on that guy. So I don't think it happens again. The only way I could see it getting screwed here is if Atlanta trades one of their picks because they have eight and 10 and Washington has nine. I believe that's right, right? I get confused. Yes, Washington has nine. I think he falls in one of those three spots. Do you know anything about this guy, Tate? It seems like a pick that Washington would make just to get a guy to stash because they have so much money on the books already with Wall and they have the injury with Wall and they're still trying to figure out the Beal situation. So they may take a guy like that, stash him, and try to trade him as a piece later to move one of those contracts. So, yeah, it seems like a Washington pick. I like it. Did we miss anything, Tate? Is there anyone uh, you're, you're interested? How about these uh, matchups? Uh, Rue Hachimura versus Brandon Clark. Who goes first? I think Clark will go first, which is interesting because, you know, Hachimura hmm. got all the pub in college, but Clark is more of a – prospect a little more springy he's also you know also six eight uh and kind of fits a mold for minnesota maybe at 11 i can see hatchmere going maybe 12 13 to miami or charlotte somewhere in that range another guy to keep an eye on is uh tyler hero apparently has been shooting up draft boards and now i see him going 14 to boston all over the place so bill will have a nice guy from kentucky coming back to boston yeah, what about just like James Washington Jones. versus Tyler Harrow? I'm just I'm just looking at these matchups here. Yeah, I would take Hero. I think Hero's going to go uh, in the top 14 in the lottery, so I would take him before PJ. PJ will probably be in that, uh, you know, 16 to 19, you know, range for the most part somewhere. Maybe the Pacers could be a team he could fall to. So I would take Hero over uh, PJ. I love it. Did we forget anything, fellas? Brother Brian, you have anything? No, extra? I will. I will say, based on what uh, Tate is telling you, you get some pretty good odds because Clark is a pretty decent underdog. I mean, I like Clark, too. I actually like Clark better, but uh, Clark is uh, plus money where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, anywhere against Hachimura. So it's, uh, if you do like that, I would jump on that. One more take, Keldon Johnson or Cameron Johnson? I didn't even know they were related, but they're matched up here. <laughs> I, I didn't know they were either. That's pretty interesting. Uh, Cam Johnson is a guy that I think will obviously have a lot of upside being 6'9 and shooting the ball the way he does. So I think there's a chance he may go in that 21 range. I've heard from certain people that uh, Keldon Johnson is falling on some draft boards, so maybe late first, early second. So I would take Cam Johnson before Keldon Johnson. All right, there Johnson you go. And, Johnson. and you hear more of that on One Shining Podcast. Go to Tate, go to Titus. They're going to be drunk on Friday. They're going to make no sense, but it's going to be very entertaining. We're going to be hungover. Um, that's right. That brings us to our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. Each week, the Degenerate Trifecta and I set sail, tackling pretend propositions related to sports and pop culture events. We're coming off Father's Day, so it got me thinking about dads, and we're coming off that big Lonzo Ball trade for Anthony Davis. There were many other parts involved, but uh, I, I got a good kick out of LeVar Ball comes out and says, yes, we always wanted Lonzo to go to New Orleans. I was just playing chess. I was just saying that he better stay with the Lakers. That's we, we got our wish. See, I was, uh, <laughs> he likened it to chess. I'm not sure that's how you play chess. I'm not sure if you have to play with a thousand dollar sneakers on, but uh, it got us thinking, or it got uh, Captain Morgan thinking, who is the most annoying sports dad? Is it LeVar Ball, minus 3,000? Is it Floyd Mayweather Sr. at 4-1? to one, Bill Walton, 6-1? to one, Or you could play the field at 7-2. to Parlay Kid, who do you like here? I'll be taking the field because if you hmm. uh, grew up in the 80s, we all remember Todd Marinovich, correct? And we remember his dad, Marv Marinovich, from out there on the, on the West Coast who Bred his son Todd to be a professional athlete, more specifically a professional football player. This is a kid that uh, was going through exercise routines uh, as soon as he could walk and was never allowed to eat any type of of junk food. Never had one meal of it, at least until he kind of broke free of his father's reins. Now, his father was successful in a way. I mean, 
he did go, uh, was one of the most highly touted quarterbacks in the country coming out of high school and went to USC and ended up being a first round draft pick. So in that respect, uh, there was a lot of success, but as you know, or a lot of people know, things turned south uh, for Todd Marinovich uh, shortly as he began his pro career, uh, even leading up to uh, heroin uh, use. Uh, So he got to about as low of a point in his life as you could get. Um, And uh, now, does he blame dad? Uh, I'm not even sure if he blames his dad so much, Sal. But when you read stories about his father not uh, walking his daughter down the aisle because he didn't think uh, her future husband was athletic enough for for his daughter and things like this. Uh, obviously, the guy had a little bit of a screw loose, and unfortunately right now, Sal, uh, he's suffering from Alzheimer's. So I don't want to pile, pile, pile on the guy, but um, yeah, Tom Marinovich, we all remember that story. It's very, very, yeah. <laughs> very tragic story all the way around for everybody involved in that. <laughs> that right. was I'm That was gonna... depressing. No, I know. Brother Brian, aside from the uh, unfortunate Alzheimer's ending, that they, I think uh, Parley Kid described himself there, didn't he? As a sports father. No, I was going to say, can Darren win this? Can he win this for us? <laughs> no coffee, Darren's smoke. house. No coffee. <laughs> um, I will say, uh, yeah, in a few years, I, I'm probably going to win this award. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be just like these fathers with my daughters. It's going to be terrible. But uh, I know you said most annoying father, and I think it's impossible to be more annoying than LeVar. Look, the worst part of this Anthony Davis trade, which I think it's, it's great for everyone, except now we have to listen to LeVar. So, uh, like you said, saying he tricked Lakers into trading into the Pelicans is really dumb. But mm-hmm. I will say, in all honesty, I thought this question at first was worse, Dad. And to me, if you're going to go worse, Dad, uh, that would have been uh, Floyd Mayweather Sr. Because whenever you going to train another fighter to fight your son, that's an all-time low. And then, yeah, again, when, when Oscar De La Hoya fought uh, Floyd to say that uh, he thought Oscar beat his son, that's, you know, again, that's all-time low stuff as a father. Um, like I said, so I don't know which way you want to go this way for me because, I, like I said, I thought this was worse dad, which is, to me, is Floyd, but uh, most annoying father would be LeVar. I mean, yeah, in that regard, Johnny Lawrence and and, uh, Cobra Kai season two, training a kid (laughs) to go against his son, trained by Macchio. It's it's kind of the same thing, but it's it's come to life. You're right. Okay. Floyd Mann, the worst, maybe most, not annoying, most annoying, but maybe worst. All right, Harry, what do you think? You know, I tried to think of somebody else, maybe come up with someone like a parlay kid did in the field. But, I mean, honestly, I've just taken LeVar Ball. I'm going to add this to every parlay I make the rest of the year. I mean, he's just insane <laughs> with the comments that he's made over the years, past couple of years. I mean, he's made numerous sexual derogatory comments towards women in the media as well. I mean, he said that uh, his son, uh, Lonzo, was just like Magic Johnson, but he has a jump shot. That's pretty harsh. I'm sure Magic didn't like that too much. I think in 2017 he said uh, uh, his son was better than Steph, Steph Curry. Better than Steph Curry? All right. Also, he said uh, that he could beat Michael Jordan in a game of one-on-one basketball. I mean, in March of 2017, he said his son's Kentucky Wildcats, Lonzo's team, would win the national championship. Lonzo got a pulled hamstring and Kentucky lost. Uh, He then went on to say, and I quote, realistically, because they lost, realistically, you can't win no championship with three white guys because the foot speed is too slow, unquote. I mean, do I really have to go on and continue? I actually think I agree with that, but no, I know, I know what you're saying. Everything else. Um, You agree with every uh, part except for Lonzo playing for the Kentucky Wildcats. Well, it's crazy. Like, yeah. And and I came, I I thought, you know, there are worst fathers. There are fathers who should be in jail. I don't know the, the William, the William sisters, father, the graph. uh, There's some, there's some bad ones along the way. I'm not saying LeVar should not be in jail. Please don't misquote me. I'm not saying that. He should not be in jail. He probably should. But if you go by annoying, he really is the perfect combination of like Don King and uh, Dick Vitale on uh, on you know, Selection Sunday. Annoying. Like that, kind of that, that combination of both. All right, listen to him. He's not even going to let his son speak. He's talking about LaMelo being drafted first. Everything out of his mouth is a joke. But um, it's a joke that, and I'd probably even have him on this podcast, but as far as annoying goes, it is impossible to top unless Tate could come up with some one right now. 
I, I would say I would say Lavar is definitely at the top of the list. I would just throw Bill Walton out there because I, I just think most annoying, just all the time annoying. You know, just thinking about it at dinner time, he's smoking peyote at the table. He's just talking about you know the earth and the stars and you know how everything connects. I mean, that would be annoying at some point. You know, yeah. you get worn out by that. So maybe maybe Bill Walton six to one. Tate, you know, you could throw Archie Manning in that mix. If uh, if not for Archie Manning, you know, your Panthers win that Super Bowl. You don't have to worry about that. Peyton's on around. Eli, we don't have to hear from Harry. Maybe he's the most annoying. Well, to, to lose that Super Bowl, we at least had Eli to stop, you know, Tom Brady from getting two more. So at the end of the day, it's, it's one-to-one. So we'll take it. That's we'll true. take Eli. All right. All right. That's another week of Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly captain's orders now let's go to sharp tank these guys are going to pitch me their best bets i'm going to jump on one of them parlay kid you had the bruins and the warriors on a parlay last week i think they both lost right yeah. i don't think uh that was rough yeah I jumped on yeah, two been, weeks in a row i've gone a, with a you slump. yep so, yep haven't you hit got, one you in a really, while really steer me in the right direction here for me to jump back uh, i time. Who do you like? love this one and really, so when it comes to the NBA and the draft, there's so much that can change and happen. But I must have looked at, uh, you know, dozen or more mock drafts today. And I'm going to be going with, for my best bet, is this player named Dan Gafford from Arkansas, over 25 and a half at minus 122. I cannot find this guy right now in any of the first rounds of the draft. Word is he worked out very poorly for teams. He's kind of he's not a modern day big. Uh, for example, in college, he had a six to one ratio of uh, post up to pick and roll usage, uh, which doesn't really bode well for today's NBA uh, game. Uh, they some are calling him like a poor man's Greg Monroe. I mean, a poor man's Greg Monroe. Ouch! All right, that's pretty that's pretty weak. Yeah. Uh, so he's looking really more and more like a second round. He's going to fall to the second round. He might go early second round, but over. 25 and a half right now at minus 122 seems like a virtual lock. So uh, I think I got a winner here this week. Um, so let's jump on Dan Gafford over 25 and a half. I'll say this, Paul. I looked at a few mock drafts. I didn't see this guy anywhere uh, higher than 40. <laughs> right. You saw, that's what I'm saying. Which is, they yeah. Had it come out last year, things might have uh, both, you know, been uh, better for him. Yeah. But uh, as of right now, I'm telling you, I looked, I was same thing. Uh, over 25 and a half minus 122, which you could find at some particular website. I, I don't want to give it out right now, but uh, if you look hard enough, you can find that one. It's, yeah, uh, they're it's on there. all the legal sites. You, you'll find them. I, I just this yep. is like our friend Frank in our fantasy draft. Like we'll do a snake, and he'll pick someone like uh, Mark Johnson, and we'll look. Well, where the where? Let's look at the. And you got to look the <laughs> dozens of names down before you find he's like the the kicker for. Uh, for the Buccaneers or something. So yeah, this is, this is what I'm seeing with, Ga um, with, uh, Daniel Gafford, but all right, brother, Bri, what's your best bet? Ooh, I, Joe, I don't have DJ here, Lord, but right? every, a lot of people, uh, yeah, yeah, shorted yeah, Lord last yeah. Oh man. DJ, uh, had a tough time last weekend. I mean, I felt like on, what was it on Friday? One of those days I felt like he should have shot or Friday or Saturday should have shot like a, a 10 under, um, he, he, he had so many putt, putts. Right. His putting was just awful. I mean, if he putted a little bit better, he, the funny thing was too, he was, you know, he was five or six back of Rory. And then all of a sudden they, they were tied at one point at both at four under, he was playing a little bit better, but then his putting just ended up killing him. So, uh, bad job by me there. I thought I was going to get that one, uh, going into last week, but, uh, I'll look to rebound here. Uh, I know I'm asking for it, but, uh, I'm going to go with the USA Sweden, uh, world cup game under two and a half goals. Finally, a tough opponent for USA here. Um, look, Sweden plays the defensive style. This game, look, USA only needs a tie in this game. So I think it's more likely that you're going to get either a one nothing or 2, two nothing, and then from there they'll probably cruise. They probably don't want to show their hand too much. Again, once they get once they get a one nothing lead to them, it's pretty much over because, like I said, a tie just will advance them to that spot. It really, and even a win in this game, for either team, I don't know if it puts you in a better or worse spot. And usually, winning your bracket, like winning your group, puts you in a better spot. But either way, in the I think the quarters, right? They either have to play France or Germany, depending on if they win or lose this game. So it doesn't really, probably doesn't really matter too much. So 
I think what you tend to see in these type of games, especially in these third games and the matches that play out, you know, the, the winner of this wins the group. I think they tend to be low defensive, low scoring right. defensive games. And look, when USA and Sweden played in their last three games, there was 1-1, 0-0, and one nothing. So again, I expect a low scoring game here. I think usually USA and Sweden are relatively very close, low scoring games. So I think under two and a half too is like, Plus one fifteen. So, so I think a little bit of value here. Uh, right. So I'd expect USA to win like one or two nothing. All right. Yeah. You know, I you uh, talked about those matchups, and you know, I, I was I was begging you guys. I was like, there's one good bet out there, and it's United States to finish top four at minus two eighty five or two eighty six somewhere around there. And I was like, I didn't have any takers, but I'm like, I'm gonna jump on this. And then I look, I forgot about this matchups. They're kind of predetermined. Like A one plays B two. You know, the winner of one. Group plays the second place, so we're gonna have France probably, like you said, in the in the quarterfinals. Like Jesus Christ, I'm gonna lose this already off a dumb handball because the VAR or whatever is gonna call it the wrong way and not gonna gonna piss off the home crowd. So that's gonna be a fun loss to endure. Uh, Harry, well, you had Jason Day as the top Aussie. He was not. I think he lost that by a stroke to what uh, Scott Adam Scott. But you're bouncing back with the golf, right? Yeah, I'm coming back with the golf. Um, I'm gonna stick with a. Uh... Uh, like I said, uh, I'm going to go with Paul Casey here. I'm going to take him top 10 at plus 170, plus 170 at the Travel Championship in Cromwell, Connecticut. Uh, he's been just really uh, close at this event. Uh, this course fits his game perfectly. Last year, he finished second, which included a round of 62. In 2017, he was fifth, shot all four rounds in the 60s. In 16, he finished 17th place. And in 2015, he lost in a playoff to Bubba Watson. Still, and lost in a playoff to Bubba and shot rounds of 67, 68, 64, and 65. So, Paul Casey, plus 170 to finish in the top 10 this week in Connecticut. All right. Paul Casey, plus top 10, plus 170. You got U.S. Sweden under two and a half. And the parlay kid has got this guy, Daniel Gafford, the center for uh, Arkansas, sophomore, to go over 25 and a half. I'll tell you what. Parlay kid, I'm going with you. I just it's, it's a numbers game here. I don't see anything that has a Gafford guy uh, half a round within that number there. But now it's going to be hilarious when the Knicks draft him at number three. We're all going to get a big laugh out of that. But uh, but for now, until then, I'm going to go with you for third straight week. Daniel Gafford over 25 and a half. If you could find that, I think you can find that on DraftKings or some of these legal sites. Uh, minus 122. Uh, look it up. Let's go to the mailbag real quick. Cousin Sal against all odds at gmail.com. If you want to reach out, if you want to be inducted into our degenerate gamblers hall of fame, which is being erected in Pahrump, Nevada right now, that's the email you need to hit up and we will decide your fate. Uh, in fact, I have this, uh, let's read this. Hi Sal. Love the interview with Scott Barry. I know he doesn't have the sustained gambling history or multiple bad beats that normally qualify someone for the hall of fame. And he didn't sound like much of a degenerate that said, does his national profile and unwillingness to hedge make him Hall of Fame worthy? We'd love to hear the trifecta discuss. Love to love to all. Love the show, Pete. All right. Thanks for writing, Pete. This is interesting. Um, I'm going to let you guys pick first, and then I'll weigh in. But it, uh, I don't think it's I, I don't think it's 100 percent one Pete way is or Scott another. Barry's mom for sure. Oh, is that Todd Barry's mom, Pete? Yeah, yeah, Pete yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's her. She wants him to be the ba- if he can't be the bachelor. The second best thing is be inducted into our uh, piece of crap Hall of Fame in Pahrump. Um Harry, what do you think? You know what? I think he, I think he's in. He's got the balls. To, he got the balls first of all to, to make the bet. Maybe he didn't understand exactly what he was doing, but he did it. He did it, and that's crazy that he did at the time when they were in last place, last place in the league when he made that wager. Uh, so I think I know he doesn't make wagers and make bets and and. But as a one-time only, I'd say he's in because he didn't even hedge. And he, after realizing what he could do, be like, wow, I could get 20000 I can get 30000 He could have hedged in game six. He could have hedged in game six and won it with Boston and then still been alive in game seven and then not bet anything and then won it. So you know what? With him not going that distance, not hedging at all and saying, I'm taking St. Louis, I'm a fan, and that's it, I'm putting him in. Yeah, it's interesting. He wouldn't have had to forfeit his ticket. Yeah. He could have just actually hedged. I don't know if he had the actual yeah. money to put up, but that would have been interesting after game six. All right, Parley kid, what do you say, in or out? Yeah, I agree. I think he's in. He's an honorary member, that's for sure. I mean, that might have been one of the single 
greatest uh, bets of all time. And the fact that he had the guts uh, to uh, sit there and hold on to that and just ride that out. Uh, yeah, he's. I think that's an easy one. He's in. Absolutely. All right, Brother Brian. Um, this is a tough one. I mean, I think he should be in just because he was nice enough to join the podcast. I'm not sure. I think this would have probably been a, almost a better story of, of joining the Hall of Fame if he actually let this ride out and he actually lost that game seven. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we you like know rags what? to rag oh, stories uh, more than success stories, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Usually, yeah, usually these Hall of Fame stories are um, rags. So I would probably... Um, you know what? I'll lean. I'll lean no on this one, just because, like I said, I mean, this is something I actually think I would have let ride. Um, I know Harry's too much of a wimp, you know, so he would have hedged here, obviously. Even though he loves the Blues so much, he would have hedged still. So uh, yeah, thanks for giving me props, by the way, guys. Thanks for giving me the props on the Blues. <laughs> you did. I know you did I'm like them. I'm the only one who said it on the podcast: Raptors and Blues. But whatever. Harry did like the Blues and Raptors. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I'll say yeah, I'll lean um, no just because he he won. He already won a hundred thousand dollars. He has to get into the Hall of Famer. All right, interesting. All right, Tate, you don't officially have a vote, but how would you uh, how would you rule? I would say this is not the you know the fan Hall of Fame. This is the uh, degenerate Hall of Fame. So I think mm. you know there's a differentiation there. So I'm gonna go mm. with no. But again, my vote does not matter. So I'm just yelling at the clouds. All right. God, well, all right, my so uh, I decide here, right? This is the first time I think we've had this in a while that I've uh, my vote actually matters here. Like he has not put in decades of service. That's that is acknowledged. He didn't risk going poor. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say he's in. Honestly, I think it's it was six grueling months of everyone calling him an asshole. And bottom line is, it was irresponsible behavior as it pertains to sports gambling. And that is what we like to reward. <laughs> and uh, True. welcome, Scott Barry. You got a, you got a spot in the Pahrumps Hall of Fame. And Brother Bry is not rolling out the red carpet, nor is Tate. But uh, Harry and I and the Parlay Kid will be there to greet you. Uh, you are in the uh, Degenerate Gamblers yeah. Hall of Fame. Yeah, That's awesome. Interesting. Good job. Yeah, that's yeah, better. Maybe some of his thousand. winnings can go to help finishing uh, the building of. Uh, oh, the, there you uh, go. Yeah, we have hit so some permits. Maybe some of his winnings. So, uh, you can help us yeah. out a little. Uh, let me read one more. Yep. Howdy from Houston. My name is Connor. I've been a day one listener of AAO and have listened to every episode. I'd like to talk about a betting concept that I call the emotional hedge. I'm only emotionally invested in two sports teams San Antonio Spurs and Texas AM, college football. If I'm going to bet on a game involving either of these teams, I will always bet against my team 100% of the time. So the way I see it is if I bet $50 against my team and they lose the game, I win my bet. The cash in my pocket softens the emotional blow of my team's loss. If I bet against my team and they win, then I effectively paid the $50 to watch my team win the game. Is that an unhealthy viewpoint? Am I a bad fan? Please advise. Now, you're not a bad fan. You're just a bad person. Um, no, I, uh, boy, I go back and forth with this. Um, we have a friend, Kevin Hench, Boston, everything. In fact, I think he's shoot, uh, doing a podcast with Bill Simmons right now as we speak. But Hench claimed the fame is buying titles. If the Red Sox are in the World Series, he'll bet the other team. He bet a lot of money on the St. Louis Blues over the Boston Bruins. And he does it the right way in that it doesn't affect uh, impair his judgment. He's still so mad at the referees. They screwed the Blues. He's going at it with John Hamm. He couldn't give a crap about the money. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess you can, I guess you can do it. If it's going to help you, if you're not relying on that money and you're truly still rooting for your team, um, I think that's an okay way. I did this unlock it in uh, a couple of weeks ago, Todd Furman, the week extended to Monday. Now we have a thing where we win, you, you become the King. If you win the week, if you have the most money at the end of the week and you get to wear like a 99 cent, uh, crown on Monday. Um, the week extended because as some NASCAR race was rained out. He had Chase Elliott to win it. So what did I do? If Chase Elliott wins, he wins. If Chase Elliott loses, I win. I put $100 on Chase Elliott at 10 to 1, and I promise you winning the week was more important to me than the $1,000. I was rooting so hard against Chase Elliott, and, uh, and, he, and he lost. And I was, I was delighted. And no one gives a crap if I'm the king every week. Paulie Kid, what do you think about this? Would you bet against the Cowboys every week to – just to soften yeah, the blow? Yeah, well, no, not every week. So, you, you know, I've, I've probably in my lifetime, mm. I think uh, with all my teams, uh, I think the Cowboys are the only one of my teams I've bet 
against, and maybe it's happened two or three times in my lifetime. I do like the term, the emotional hedge mm -hmm. uh, that the guy is saying, and it is true. I definitely think that uh, and what you're saying is 100% correct. If, you, if you're still 100% rooting for your team, like you kind of know, well, if it doesn't work out that way, I win some money. Uh, so it's not as devastating for you if your team loses. Maybe takes a little of that awfulness away for you. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I really don't have a problem with it. It, it maybe uh, some people might say. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's certainly not what they might call pulling a Benetta. I think right. at that point, right? It's not pulling a Benetta. What she did, rooting, a, you know, just so she can go to a the game in uh, at Golden State. Paula I'm Kidd, that is unbelievable. That. She she rooted against her team in game five because she had tickets in game six. She had a yeah. great seat. She had her hotel paid for. Yeah. She had miles, had a free yeah. flight. And, and I was like, yeah, no that, way this works. This doesn't work ever. And it yeah, freaking works. Yeah, and that that's, you could call that from now on. That's called a Bonetta, right? I, like I mean, it. that's kind of what you could just call it. Yeah. Call that a Bonetta. This guy's talking about emotional hedging. Yeah, I, I guess if it can get you through, I, I guess I have, really don't have a problem with it. It kind of makes sense. Maybe. Maybe I'm betting against the Cowboys all 16 games this year. Let's see how Bro that goes. Brother Bri, you, I think you would agree. I like the, the line is a lot blurrier than it used to be. We have so many pools and so many bets and so many fantasy teams we root for. Your, your, your focus is not 100% on your favorite team that you grew up with. And especially if like the Raiders are 4-11 and 11 and this is week uh, 16, it's week 17, you know? Right? Do you feel that way? Well, all right. Well, I have a few views on this. So, like, every gambler at some point is probably, like, every serious gambler at some point is probably bet against their team at some point. But I, mm -hmm. I do have a problem with this in terms of, you know, if you're in the World Series or if you're in the championship, to actually be betting against your team there is, to, I, I really don't like that. Because, I mean, you can say what you want, but if, you, if I have $10,000 against my team, uh, all of a sudden you start, like, you start kind of like, oh, well, I don't really care if they lose so much. I, you know, I have this money here on the side. I mean, you're thinking about again, it. Yeah. being a Raider fan, being a Raider fan, we think so. I, I have no problem certain games, like on a, on a regular game when we're ready, not making the playoffs betting against them. I have no problem with that. But again, mm -hmm. when you start talking about like, yeah, you're in a championship game or stuff like that. I, I really hate that. I mean, I, you're really just mm -hmm. asking for your team to lose. And then I know, yeah, well, if you lose, then you win this money. But I feel like once you start betting, especially again, if you're betting high stakes, you you start leaning towards the money a little bit. I yeah. think. I think. I then why? So. Or, you know, why else? Why else bet at that point in time? You know. So, if you could wake uh, up I and do, say, I definitely oh, have a problem. Oh, that's with right. That. I did have money on this. That then then it's a different story. But yeah, it it it, it, it does muddy the waters a little bit. Harry, you don't even have really favorite teams, so this doesn't matter. To yeah. You, right? You know, uh, overall, though, I don't like it either, but I like uh, Brian's concept is correct. I'm, I'm with Brian on that situation, too. But, Sal, if your team is 4-11 and 11 and it's the Giants or whatever and you're playing out the string and whatever and you want to do something like that, fine at that point when your team has no shot and they're bad and, and, and everything. But uh, when you're dealing with a, a decent amount of money and you're in the playoffs, I just think that's nonsense. Yeah, I, and also like there's other ways to do it. I, I could see this working for Boston fans. If you're a Patriots fan and you are, they're going against the Titans, they're like all right, it's a playoff game. I'll bet the Titans plus eight points. Like oh, look at this, I won both ways. Like that that, that just drives me crazy. But um, Tate, you're you're an outsider looking in with a lot of this gambling stuff. Would, would it bother you as a sports fan? It would bother me. It kind of, you know, marginalizes the fan. You know, it's kind of, you know, a good way you need to go through the loss, you know, so you can enjoy the victory and the spoils in the future. So if you're winning on both sides, I feel like you're cheating the game a little bit. So just be a fan, you know, don't, don't, there you go. All right. I don't know if yeah. uh, anyone yeah. learned anything from the, uh, from the uh, five of us there, but uh, it might've been good podcasting. Who knows? Uh, email us cousin Sal against all odds at gmail.com. It's time to say goodbye to the fellas. Um, brother Bry, what do you have going up? Uh, I'm at the brother Bry. Uh, pretty much nothing. I mean, I I I do love gambling. I mean, NFL draft is one of my favorite days of the year. Uh, NBA draft is close. I mean, I do love betting on this. So I'm gonna have a lot of money riding on this. I feel like this is probably the last week. Um, you know, at least you get college baseball. You have you're gonna have soccer for an extended period. You have UFC this weekend. So there's still a bunch of stuff to bet on. 
Uh, so I will be betting on that. And uh, that's that's pretty much it for me. All right. Parlay Kid? Yep. At the Chalk Talker, Sal. Same with uh, Brian. There's a little low. Uh, Kyle will be graduating uh, nice. next week. Uh, class of uh, 2019 at John Glensaw, marking your 30-year uh, uh, absence oh, from the yeah. school, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think people are doing CF, something so. for that. I never answered. Uh, 30 years. Okay. 30, 20, 2009. Yeah, I think they did something already, Sal. I think it, I think it already happened. So did it happen? Oh, I don't know. I thought there was around. a little get-together. But, uh, yeah, but... Like Brian said, so it's it's kind of a it's a weird time of the year. It, it almost feels like you know we always talk about that Super Bowl hangover, right? After uh, mm-hmm. is this is like when hockey and basketball end. It it's almost just as bad now. I think I I feel like right because I think in when football ends, it kind of that NCAA stuff starts to pick up in basketball and right now, yeah, this ends and I think it's almost getting to be just as bad. I mean, we have we have our Yankees, thank God, Brian and I. I mean, as a Mets fan, it just doesn't really – kind of like being a Knicks fan or something like that, too. It's just brutal. Uh, it's over. Familia goes down, Syndergaard – every two days another player goes down, and we don't, we don't even start with a, not, well, a full yeah, – That happens roster. to the Yankees, too, but they just keep winning. So yeah. that's, that's I know. How do you do it? You're getting everybody back. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel the same. I, wasn't there something last year? I, I guess last winter there was Olympics. But with the last World summer, Cup, the so- we had the uh, – the men's World Cup got us through a little time. I, was I that think, last right? summer? I hope it was. Yeah, yeah, no, it was last summer, and then two summers ago, Dallas, when that was going on. Right, yeah. that's right. And two summers ago, we had yeah. uh, we had Mayweather uh, McGregor to look forward to. Yeah, this, this summer there's not not a lot going on, right? Unless mm. you want to listen to One Shining Podcast, Tate. That that wouldn't be a mistake, right, Tate? Well, there's not a lot going on there either, so uh, I hate to, <laughs> I hate to disappoint, but, you know, we're doing our best. We're trying to talk about some stuff. You know, Chernobyl's a good show. Enjoy yourself. Watch that sometime. And uh, Chernobyl's a lot of fun. Yep. A lot of fun. <laughs> uh, and then Friday, uh, myself, Mark Titus, we will be uh, talking about the NBA draft uh, in the morning after after everyone else at the ringer talks about it. Then we will finally talk about it, and it'll be uh, it'll be a fun time. There you go. At Tate Frazier, right? Yeah, on Tate Frazier. That is it. And yes. Harry, what about you? Uh, at AO Harry, I'm hoping, like Brian said, we're watching a little bit of college baseball. And I've told Darren and I told Brian, before the Super Regionals happened, I said, look out for Michigan. We should bet Michigan. This mm. team, all they do is win. They were 50-1 to 1 then. They were 15-18-1 to win the College World Series. All they do is win. It's, I, I'm just rooting against Michigan because I'm going to be sick if they win. Uh, the whole thing. It's been unbelievable. The I emotional it like hedge. A month ago. Yeah, That's right. That's right. what it is. And actually, that, for you guys' 30-year anniversary, uh, Sal, did, uh, Darren, didn't uh, thought I heard Andrew Albaum had a 30-year reunion blowout at his house, did, right? Isn't that true? <laughs> <laughs> Sal didn't go? I, uh, <laughs> I don't I think don't Frank know. went either. <laughs> well, Frank doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> Harry, forget about Andrew Albaum and, and Frank. I don't want to get into details, but Harry is um, looking for more employment right now. He's not, he's not leaving this show. He will be on this show uh, longer than I am, probably. But Harry uh, has some hours freed up. Don't worry. Everybody's friends. Everything's cool. But he is, um, you know, if you could employ Harry. Right, Harry? What, I, I, yeah, I want to sure. make this as diplomatic as possible. Uh, sure, I'm out there. I'm uh, looking to do whatever I can. Someone's got some ideas. Hit me up. I mean, you know, we'd like him to continue in the sports gambling uh, arena somewhere. Not nothing too demeaning, but you know, he's really nothing's uh, nothing's beneath him. Also, right? True. Yeah, I can. Uh, Harry, you know, yeah, Harry. New York wants more of you with uh, JJ. Shremsky, oh. you got you got to get on. You got to get more of more of that, man. We want it. We want it here. I sent him some golf picks uh, over the weekend. I needed. Oh uh, well, like that's, that's not going to help you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, send him some winners. Hey, I, you I'm know not going to say. I'm not going to say who sent I me did, this, I, but I, uh, I got I got note that Harry applied for a job as the drink cart guy at a golf course here. They emailed him back three minutes later that they were going in another direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what. <laughs> Does that Three mean thir- so thirty what? years hey, younger hey, you know and is? thirty years younger and female? Was is that the other direction? Few no, other they direction. only they usually ha- only I've never seen a male uh, drink cart guy on a golf course ever anywhere. But to 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 tell me that they they got my application 
And then three minutes later, I check my email, and it says that I did not qualify, did not get the job. (laughs) Sexual discrimination, baby. Sexual discrimination. There you go. Barry, talk to Ken. File the suit. You got it. Yeah, talk to Ken. Oh, my gosh. Get another one going. That is hilarious. Tell him you work for tips. All right. Yeah, hit us up, CousinSalAgainstAllOdds at gmail.com, or I'm at TheCousinSal, or Harry's at AAO. Harry at, uh, so, yeah, he's looking for a job. He's looking to stay busy. And uh, great. <laughs> That's a good thing. That'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Watch Locking In Wednesday, 5 to 6 this week, Eastern on FS1, Monday through Thursday. Jimmy Kimmel Live, 11.35 tonight and every weeknight on ABC. That's that for the Degenerate Trifecta and Master Tate Frazier. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Na, 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 na.